calling all denizens of the dark, mavens of mayhem, and champions of chaos. Lock your doors and listen close. It's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Alex Kenna. She is a lawyer, writer, and painter based in Los Angeles, California. Before attending law school, Alex studied painting and art history at Penn. She also worked as a freelance art critic and culture writer. Originally from Washington, DC, Alex now lives in Los Angeles with her husband, son, and giant schnauzer, Zelda. When she's not writing, Alex can be found nerding out in art museums, exploring flea markets, and playing string, stringed instruments. She says badly. Alex's debut novel is What Meets the Eye, and it's available for pre-order and was released earlier this month from Crooked Lane Books. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I was hoping that you might be able to tell us a little bit more about your first novel, What Meets the Eye. How did you come up with such a great idea? Yeah, I was interested in writing a mystery that uh, that sort of relied on on my background, which is in um, both criminal law and painting. And uh, and I the kind of the more immediate idea of art forgery just came up because I um, my husband and I had been binging this British series about uh, you know somebody finds a Matisse in the attic and they uh, there's a, a an art dealer and an art critic who work together to try to or excuse me an art dealer and a journalist who kind of work together to figure out if it's real uh, which you know shouldn't be addictive but we're we're huge nerds so it was so right. uh, yeah we uh, I had art forgery on the brain and uh, and then I from there the story kind of just built itself around um, the the two main characters. There's the there's a kind of down and out uh, private eye who's investigating the suspected suicide of this famous artist, and then there's the artist because the book um, it it has multi viewpoints and kind of goes back and forth in time and explores her life. Um, and uh, and I kind of I kind of built the story around them, and then I guess another element was um, for for the artist. Uh, I was really interested in this idea of um, there were a lot of artists, I guess, maybe half a generation back who would kind of try to blur the lines between art and life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to take that a step further and maybe throw crime into the mix and see if, you know, could I find a, a realistic avenue where this artist was sort of trying to create work that sort of blurred the lines between art and life and, and maybe also a not so legal element. Uh, so then I kind of built the story around that. That's cool. I mean, that's, uh, and it also sounds like you were able to use your existing love of art and use it to influence this work. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in art? Yeah, art, art painting uh, was was definitely my first love. I, I grew up in D.C. Uh, around uh, my grandmother. She's a French and um, she's a frustrated artist. It was a lot harder for women in those days, but she would um, mm -hmm. she would take me to the museum all the time when I was growing up. Um, she um, she and friend the French have a little bit of a more liberal view on nudity. And when I was you know like 
13 years old, she had me enrolled in these sketchy life drawing classes with naked models above this garage. So I, you know, I, I, I got um, a view pretty, pretty early into that. And then um, I ended up um, majoring in art and art history in college, um, graduated, um, worked in a gallery, which like for, you know, for one month, I made like more money than I ever thought was possible. And then the Great Recession hit like the next month, you know, and I went from selling like, you know, all this art and thinking, oh my God, I'm 23, I'm on top of the world to selling nothing. Um, And then I started thinking very seriously about law school. Um, But uh, in between, I did a lot of um, art, uh, kind of freelance art criticism um, and uh, and just kind of kept my uh, kept my finger in that world. So uh, that was definitely something that I was interested in in talking about in the book. Like I have a lot of characters. There's like a sadistic art teacher who's inspired by two particular individuals who I encountered. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a couple other characters who um, you know I definitely drew on people who I, I met um, or at least um, were aware was aware of back in my twenties. Sure. I was going to ask that question about where the galleries were generally located in what cities. Uh, was it one city in particular or were, were, was it in a couple of locations? I, well, I worked at a gallery in San Francisco, but just, just for a couple months. But in some ways, it was more of an education because, um, you know, I, I worked there right as everything kind of like evaporated in the art market and you start Mm -hmm. seeing um you start seeing you don't see the best side of people especially in commission sales when no customers are coming in that's when you start seeing sketchy practices Um, I ended up uh, getting out of there pretty quickly uh, which was definitely for the best but um I think having that short-term window into I think you know what was definitely a dark side of of fine art sales was uh, was very interesting yeah, I would imagine it would be. And it sounds like you've really used that to help bring reality to the characters you create. With the art side of thing, I, I definitely tried to be a realistic. And then for for Margot, um, I, you know, I, she's, you know, a borderline psychopath, so I can't say she's based on me. But um, <laughs> in, in terms of at least the art side of things, um, I think I, I, I tried to really think about who she would be thinking about. And um, I think that was one area where I felt more comfortable, you know, drawing on on my knowledge because I had I had done a lot of art criticism. I'd studied art. You know, I'm I'm not an art genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I mm-hmm. had enough of a background there that I could I felt like I could um write realistically about who this character was looking at, who this character was inspired by. And uh and when I was thinking about her projects. Uh, which factor factors a lot into the book. That was kind of fun because, you know, I I was never I was never good enough at drawing to really make it professionally. Like, you know, I can draw well, but you know, no one's no one's putting me in a museum by any stretch of the imagination. So right. I could kind of kind of think, well, you know, what if I was an art genius? You know, what would I do if I could draw like the old masters? So there was a little bit of a of escapism in there. Yeah, I can appreciate that too, because like you, I wanted to be an illustrator myself, and I tried my best to be good at it when I was a kid, and then my talent did peak at some point, but this is where the comparison comes in. Like you, I found another avenue for my art, and that was to write, and so I couldn't draw very well. I couldn't use pencils, so I used a uh, keyboard instead, so I I definitely appreciate that kind of journey. Um, what did, uh, when you, you earlier touched on 
the art world being actually a, a business, which it is, and about sales driving what happens in that art world. Because a lot of people will say, well, it's, it's a nice place. There's a lot of uh, openings and dinners and everything else, but that's only one part of it. The rest of the time, it's sales. Is that what uh, encompasses a lot of your plot line and what meets the eye? Oh, definitely. And then I think one of, <clears throat> one of the one thing I was interested in exploring is, you know, when I was reading a lot about um, about art forgery, all the forensics for detecting something it's it's based a lot on on forging old paintings like okay well you know maybe this color didn't exist in the renaissance and that's a, a big sign that you know something's not right here but you don't have that with contemporary art and you don't have that um especially with somebody who's who's only been painting for a short window so i was you know and especially with somebody who's only been been painting for a short window and who's dead so they can't really you know come come forward and say well I didn't make this so I sort of started thinking about um for forging forging of somebody uh, more contemporary as something that would be really hard to prove and really easy to get away with and at the same time I think um all the incentives to kind of uh, to keep that quiet if you have something that's hard to prove because there's so much money at stake so the mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was definitely interested in the business world and uh, and some of those kind of darker influences. Right. I mean, I would imagine that the way it's set up is they uh, they if they have spent a lot of money and influence making a mistake, they are invested in making sure they keep doing it that way because they don't want to be caught out. Definitely in my in my book, that's a that's a, a small factor at least. And then I think uh, in terms of of actually figuring out how to how to solve something with that element, I think it's it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, and it's also, um, as from what I understand, this is the first book that you've had published um, in your career, in your writing career. How has that worked out for you? How have you enjoyed the writing process as opposed to other creative processes? The, yeah, it's worked out really well. It's uh, first book published, second book written, uh, which I'm mm -hmm. sure is not uncommon. Um, I had another book before this, which um, it was a political thriller, thriller about elections. And um, we'll just say that my timing was not ideal. So I put, <laughs> I put that, all I'm going to say about that, but I put that uh, kind of away in a drawer. Um, but at the, uh, the writing is, uh, especially when I was writing this book, it was, uh, it was really a joy because I was pregnant during the pandemic. And uh, didn't have a lot of escapes. Like I was a relatively high risk. And so I would, it was, you know, basically going back and forth between my house and, um, and doctor's appointments. So I mm -hmm. needed, um, I needed to be able to do something to keep my brain from atrophying. So right. that's right. That's kind of where writing came in. And, uh, and I think it's, it's very forgiving because you can come back and finesse things a million times, which is something that I really appreciate because I'm a bit of an obsessive editor and uh, in in ways that other mediums like drawing, I think, are less forgiving. But with, with writing, you know, you can you can crank out a terrible first draft, and then you can go back and work on it until it starts to sing. Right, right, exactly, right. And it's um, how have you enjoyed being a first time writer in terms of relating with the public, relating with the business? Have you um, what have your experiences been in that regard? It's it's been positive. I've only had to block one weirdo in social media, which you know, <laughs> you know that's you know I, I you know I got one like you know 
chat request at like 4 a.m. from a stranger. I'm like, oh, no. But <laughs> other than that, you know, people have been really supportive. It, it's, a, you know, just the, the writing community in general, like on Twitter, on Facebook, people are, you know, really quick to celebrate each other's successes. Um, yes. and, you know, that's, I think it's also, um, you know, I would have, I expected, I kind of expected a lot more negativity, especially because there's this huge range between, you know, those of us who are just trying to get our foot in the door and people who, you know, have, are making millions of dollars. But I think it, that's just so obvious that I think people mm-hmm. just kind of get over it. And it's just, it just kind of, you know, when somebody's really talented and they're getting recognized, you know, I think people for the most part just appreciate that and are happy for them. Um, so that's been really nice to see. But it's definitely, you know, I've had to make a little bit more of an effort just personality wise, because I'm pretty introverted, you know, Mm -hmm. don't love to be the center of attention. Like we didn't even have a wedding because we're like, everybody's going to be looking at us. This is stupid. Let's just go to the courthouse. Um, So now I feel a little bit like I'm trying to have a wedding every day. Um, Right. I'm definitely, definitely that personality wise, I've been, uh, I've been making, making more of an effort with some of the marketing stuff because it just doesn't really come naturally to me. Yeah, I hear you. I'm the I'm the same way, and I used to be in government communications and marketing, so I understand how important it is. But seeing knowing how important it is and doing it when it's yourself, two entirely different things. Um, it sounds like you're also lucky to have uh, a pretty supportive support system to help you uh, create your books at home. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Um, I I don't I I mean I literally couldn't do this without my husband. Um, he's um, yeah, he he is my first reader. He's really honest. Um, you know, he'll he'll tell me like I'm I'm working on something now, and I was really excited about this character. He's like, she's evil. I'm like she's not evil. She's misunderstood. He's like, no, she's evil. So now I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of going back and thinking, okay, well, he's a little bit right. I should probably tone that down a bit. Um, but you know, it's also just having a toddler. It's been um, you know, he helps out so much with with house stuff, like you know. We almost have like, you know, you you read a lot of articles about like, you know, the how when people have kids, like all the burden of of, of housekeeping always falls on the woman. We're like the opposite. Like I'm sure he's grumbling all the time, but he does he does uh, a ton of stuff just to give me time to write. And my mother in law has been really helpful too. She takes the kid, um, and just um, helps me, you know, carve out a space to to actually do this. Right, and that's important. And have you since you found success in writing and you've got your now second novel um, published, uh, do you find that it's that the idea of writing and the allure of light, writing is stronger now that you've gotten a taste for it and now you want to keep going? I mean, I think it's definitely validating in that it's, you know, you, you have a sense that something is good, but, you know, it's, I feel like in our heads, we all go back and forth between thinking like, this is brilliant. I'm a total hack. I'm terrible. I'm really onto something. So it's, it's, you know, just having, you know, it's getting positive feedback, you know, it, I mean, obviously we get the negative feedback too. And so try to ignore that, but in terms of the positive feedback, I think that's, that's really validating. Um, And I think it's definitely, it definitely does make me, make me want to keep going. Um, Honestly, the biggest hurdle is just finding time um, to, you know, Mm. squeezing in hours here and there at this point and with, uh, with, you know, everything else going on in life. Right. Yeah. It's just interesting that you saw a little bit of what the art world was like when you were working behind the scenes at the gallery. And now that you've, later gone on to become a writer 
you get to see that there is a business to writing. It's not just about coming up with an idea and putting it out there for all the world to see. It's about writing it, marketing it, things like that. So it, it's, it's interesting to see how you've seen both sides of two different types of the art world, uh, the, le the literature side and uh, the gallery side of it too. And yep. I'm sure that's valuable. Oh, definitely valuable. Although I guess it's probably easier to write a book uh, killing off people in the art world and killing off people in the publishing world. I have a feeling <laughs> that might not go over so well. Exactly right. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope it stays that way. Now, is the, do you envision this being the first book in the series, or are you looking to possibly do only standalones? I'm always interested to see what writers plan for their work. The, uh, I'm working on a sequel right now, so it's it's the same main character, and um, it's but it's a very different book. I think I'm interested in in continuing with this with the character, as long mm -hmm. as um, as there's enough going on that I'm taking that I'm a, I'm still able to stretch different muscles and write different types of stories. So the one my current book is very plot driven, and I think the next one is a lot more character driven um, and a lot darker. Um, so yeah, I think for, for now I want to stick with this character, but at a certain point, I think I would probably want to go to standalones. Like I have a couple unrelated ideas that are kind of, you know, nagging in the back of my head and you try to stay focused because otherwise you never get anything done, but then you have kind of like the devil on your shoulder of like, what if you write something completely different? Right. Right. Yeah. And then I found that the more I got into writing books, the more that would happen. I would be focusing on one thing, but then I would get influences and whispers about something else and if somebody doesn't understand the creative process they might not that might sound crazy to them but we know it's a little bit more complicated than that oh definitely it definitely is um so you've got this book that's out now when uh do you think you're are you in the process of writing the sequel or are you do you have a release date or any of those details well, I haven't sold the sequel, so it's all going to depend on sales for the first book, I think. So, you know, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely hopeful. It will, you know, it's every uh, publishing's obviously a crapshoot, so we'll we'll see what happens, but I'm hoping that I get to get to bring it to life because I do think it's it's a strong book. Yeah, it definitely sounds that way and you've gotten a lot of great reviews too early on from places like Publishers Weekly. That must have been thrill for you to this being your first foray into publishing to start off at such a high note. Yeah, no, that was, that was very validating. It's, it, there's definitely something scary about, you know, putting your work and your work out into the world. And, you know, what if this becomes like the ridiculed book of 2022 and right. Um, but yeah, getting, getting some positive feedback definitely was, uh, was very reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's fantastic. What is the best way that people can keep track of you? Because uh, I think this is going to be the beginning of a very good career for you and, and, and a rewarding one. Do, would you suggest people follow your website, so follow you on social media? How can they find you? Yeah, you can uh, find me on, on Twitter. Um, it's AlexKenna9. Um, I do have a website. It's AlexKenna.com, um, but I built it myself, so it's pretty terrible, um, but it does <laughs> exist, um, so you can check it out. Um, I'm hoping to have time to update it at some point, um, so, but uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Um, Twitter's probably where I'm the most active. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, no, this is, this is great, and I think that everybody who's listening to this should go out and buy What Meets the Eye. It's available in all formats, Kindle, on your 
paperback, uh, hardback, anything that you want. It's a fantastic book. And I really suggest people give it a look because you're going to be getting in on something that I think you're going to see from a writer for a very long time. It's, uh, it's going to be out there for a while. So Alex, thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you for having me. This is great. No problem. Uh, everybody, uh, I have been Terrence McCauley, and this has been another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.